Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. Philip, you ready? (laughs) He really doesn't like it. I've done it twice this morning. Sunday. Sunday name. (laughs) Would you like me to pray for you? Yeah. Yeah. After I've just insulted you. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus, we've been talking all this morning about power, and I just pray that during Phil's preach, Lord, there would just be an overwhelming sense of your power in this room, Lord Jesus. I pray that you just fill Phil (laughs) with your presence, and that he would just be able to speak to all of this morning, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen. Thank you, Hannah. Great job this morning so far. Um, Okay, well... I'm going to try and jump straight into this. I've got a lot to get through in a very short space of time. I need an hour and a half at least for this talk, so I'm not going to keep you for an hour and a half. Um, so I'm going to just jump in, rush through a few of the early points, and I want to major on the last point, if that's all right. So I hope you get something from this. I'm trusting God for this one. So just a quick calculation. Just work this out. How many items of clothing have you put on this morning when you got dressed? And you can, I don't know whether you want to do this, you count a pair of socks as one or two, I don't know, it's a pair, it's two, yeah, I agree, Peter, I was going to go with two. So I've done, oh, I'm getting told off for moving around too much. Oh, this is not good. So I've got, I've got six items on. Seven, seven, yeah. Neil's probably got about ten, because he gets cold. Eight. Eight, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're told in Scripture that we're to clothe ourselves. So how many items of clothing do you think it tells us in Scripture we're to clothe ourselves with? Which is? Absolutely. So we've exchanged our filthy rags for a garment of righteousness. But actually involved in righteousness, there are a number of items that make up the whole of that particular one item of righteousness. We discard our old way and we clothe ourselves with him, with Jesus and his righteousness. And when Paul spoke to the churches about this, he listed some of these items that make up the whole cloak of righteousness. So we're going to look at Colossians 3, verse 12 to 14. And it will may come, may come up on the screen. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. With kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive one, anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So clothe yourself. So we're instructed by Paul that we actually need to clothe ourselves. It's not just the garment of righteousness. Actually, we need to clothe ourselves with these things that make that up a part of that garment. So I have a garment. Garment of tender-heartedness. And I'm going to put this on. 
I'm going to clothe myself. <laughs> if I can get it on. I bought extra large. I'm not sure they're going to be big enough. So I'm going to clothe myself this morning with tenderheartedness. I want to be tender towards you. I want to be tender towards God. I want to have a tender heart where God himself can just work through me and hopefully that when I come into contact with you, when I come into contact with others, they get something of the tender heart of God because I've chosen to clothe myself this morning in, with tender heartedness. This is uncomfortable. No, the shirt underneath. I asked for the fan to put on earlier because it's going to get really warm for me. So how tender-hearted are you? How tender are you towards others? Do we speak harshly? Do we respond harshly? Do we, are we a bit short with people? Or do we get kind of fed up, oh, it's that person again, and they've got, every time I talk to them, they want to just talk about their problems. They just want to offload on me. Do we respond that way, or are we tender? And do we have that tenderness towards them, as Jesus would? Jesus gave people time and opportunity. He clothed himself. He was clothed with tenderness. And people loved his tenderness, didn't they? They loved being around Jesus because he was tender. And he was open and uh, generous. And so it goes on to kindness. I don't know how many of these I can get on. You know where I'm going with this now, don't you? So I'm going to clothe myself with kindness this morning. When I get to the end of this, this is going to be really interesting. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. This is how long it takes me to get dressed in the morning. Right. So I'm going to be kind. I'm going to clothe myself with kindness in the same way that Jesus was kind. I'm going to be kind to one another. I'm going to be kind to my fellow Christians, but I want to be kind also to those that don't know Jesus. How else will they know that God is kind unless it comes through me? Unless they see it in me? Unless when they encounter me, they experience kindness? They'll not know that Jesus is kind. They'll not understand that. Jesus was kind to those he saw. And it says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. He's a kind God that releases us from our sin and our shame and our guilt. It's kindness of God. It's not his judgment. It's not his accusation. It's not us putting us in the dock and saying, you're guilty and I'm going to give you a sentence. It's like saying, no, I'm actually going to take your sin away. My kindness releases your sin. Past, present and future. It's all gone. The kindness of God leads us to repentance. And if you're here for the first time this morning, you don't know Jesus, it's his kindness. It's his kindness towards you that he wants to lead you towards him, that you might be free from sin, guilt, and shame. Because that's the kind of God he is. Okay, I'm going to have to move on quickly. Humility. Whoa, this is a tough one. And it's going to be even harder to get on. Really hard. Humility is one of those things. John, don't, please. Do you want to do do this? (laughs) <laughs> I thought a few weeks ago this was a really good idea <laughs> I shared it with the elders and said what do you think and they said yeah great <sighs> humility I'm not very good at humility sometimes this is going to be all over Facebook later isn't it I thought so <laughs> 
I'm not very good at being humble sometimes. We like to big ourselves up, don't we? We like to speak well of ourselves. Jesus, under no circumstances, at any time did he big himself up. He was just who he was. And he was humble about it. He humbled himself even to death on a cross. He humbled himself. Are we willing to humble ourselves? Be humble with others. Not big ourselves up. Not to speak highly of ourselves than we ought. Having a sober assessment of ourselves. Being humble. And it's one of the things that kind of pride and arrogance are the things that God opposes. He opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So let's be humble. Let's allow others to see our humility. Let's give them opportunity to experience the humility of God through us. Let's be humble, not proud in any way. Okay, where am I at? Gentleness. Here we go again. (laughs) It's getting warm in here. I have to say, I give a lot of thanks to Lou Crowley, who has done all these for me. She's done all the artwork on these. It's a great job. Thank you, Lou. It's getting tight now, isn't it? (laughs) Gentleness. How gentle are we? It goes back even to the first part, doesn't it? When we've been tender-hearted, then we're gentle, aren't we? They're not... These things are not separate in that sense, even though they're separate shirts I'm putting on. They're not separate. They're all linked together. That actually when we're tender-hearted, actually we're gentle with people. We treat them gently. We recognize, and it's almost like you can, you get in a room with people, and it's almost like some people just cannot read a room, can they? And they say the most outrageous things. They do the most outrageous things. They kind of can be quite sharp. There's no sense of gentleness because they just cannot read the room. Are we reading people when we meet them? Are we working out where they're at and what they need and being gentle towards them? It's a privilege sometimes to be here and people come in and they, they need help and they need something and just to be able to show something of the love of God. Something of the gentleness of God. Such a privilege we've got. We are privileged to be able to show Jesus to the people around us in this area. Excuse me. Just dress myself properly. Let's be gentle. Let's be patient. I'm not patient, especially in traffic. I've said this before. It hasn't changed. I'm still not patient in traffic. I'm not very patient with God sometimes. When God even speaks, I want, I want it done yesterday. I want God to do things that I want him to do immediately. His timing really frustrates me. I'm not patient. I've never been very patient. When I was, when I was young, I was a bit of an angry teenager, and I had a motorbike. I think that thing ended up on the floor more times than I can remember. It so frustrated me. It always broke down. It was just I, just, I got to the point where I just hated the motorbike, so I just threw it on the floor quite often. Try and put it on a stand. I had a stand that just, it was so difficult to get on the stand, so I thought, I'll just throw it on the floor and stand it up. I, can, I, I didn't have a lot of patience as when I was young, and kind of, God's had to deal with that in me. And I'm, he's not finished, and I know he's not finished. 
He's still working on patience in me. And uh, I've been privileged being away for a couple of days to lead us gathering in Worcester for a couple of days. And at the end of it, some of you may know David Devonish and they're from Catalyst and stuff. And he prophesies over me. And it's great and it's really encouraging. You get the first bit. Prophecies all start off like this. They're really good. And then God says the hard bit. So he kind of bigs you up for something, prepares you, you know, kind of, yeah, you get all excited, and then he says something a bit harder that you don't really want to hear. And then when God says it's going to, some words for me where it's going to cost you, and I'm thinking, what? Cost me even more than I'm already paying the price for these things. And God's got to change some things within you for this to happen. I'm thinking, oh God, here we go again. <laughs> Patience, I know, is one of them. Because give me the good stuff, and I'm not so keen on the other stuff. I just want the good stuff. Don't you? And God's going to give us the good stuff. But we have to be patient. Wait his time. Work his time. Go with God. Work with God. And that's why it says in there about patience, being patient with one another, forgiving one another. And I would just want to spend a little bit of time on this, because actually, when we're not patient with one another... We don't quickly forgive one another. Actually, God doesn't let us off the hook. So if we go to Matthew 5. No, sorry. Sorry, we'll go to Matthew 18. 18 verse 21 to 22 says, Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus said, but 70 times seven which the mathematicians amongst you will know, that is 490. Now when God's, when somebody's hurt you, and somebody's really hurt you, and said something horrible against you, it's hard to forgive. Spoken ill of you, bad mouth you somewhere else, it's hard to forgive. And Jesus says that even just that one event, we should forgive him 490 times. Just for one thing even. It's huge. It's a big thing. And sometimes I know, because I've prayed with a lot of people, dealing with unforgiveness. And sometimes you just start by doing it through gritted teeth. You grit your teeth and say, I forgive that person. And you really don't want to. But you're starting off, because forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. We choose to forgive. So in Freedom in Christ, we encourage people to say, I choose to forgive this person for doing this or this offence or this particular thing that they've done to me. And that's hard. And you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it. If it takes 490 times to do it, you keep doing it until that thing does not have any emotional effect on you anymore. Because once it's stopped affecting you emotionally, you know it's forgiven. Until that point, it still affects you. And you still have to choose to forgive. It's again and again and again. We choose to forgive. And again, in Freedom in Christ, one of the things they use, actually unforgiveness actually hurts us, not the other person. So they use this illustration in the Freedom in Christ course. And we really encourage you, we would like to run that course. If you haven't done Freedom in Christ course, I really want to encourage you to do it. It really will do you good. But there's a great section on forgiveness. And they say this, unforgiveness is like you taking poison and hoping the other person dies. Just affects you. 
doesn't affect anyone else. You suffer through unforgiveness. So I want to encourage you, if you are unforgiving towards someone and you even may have vowed, I will never forgive that person. Just saying it is a vow. I will never forgive you. We have to undo that vow before God and get free and get released and forgive. And actually, sometimes we're not patient with people because we've not forgiven them. We're not patient towards that person because actually that very thing they did to us has hurt us. And I remember I had a, the shortest prophetic word I was ever given and the most significant one ever in my life so far because it's not over yet, was you're not to take an offence. Now, church life, there's lots you can take an offence over. Because it's a whole bunch of people put together who would never choose to be together, ever. It's just how it is. That's how God designed the church to be. It's a mix of all kind of people that you don't get on with. And you might not like, and they might not like you. But God knits us together. I had to God's choice. God put you here for a reason. It may be to knock some sharp edges off you. It may be for you to learn patience. It may be for you to learn forgiveness. Who knows why you're here? But God's put you here. And he's put us together. And we're not to take an offense. And I'll tell you, there's been times when I could have taken a real offense. Been some hurtful stuff over the years. Church life. Not just here, but other places. Could easily have taken an offense. And every time I want to take an offence, that word rings in my head, you're not to take an offence. And I have to remember, I've got to forgive. I've got to come back. I've got to be patient with this person. I've got to be patient over this. I've got to trust God, pray for God to help me because I need it, really need it. I can't do it on my own. I need him to help me to do that. So, if we go to Matthew 5, it says, If you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple you are suddenly to remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice. You see, the thing is, it's so easy, isn't it? We can just ignore that and we can come and worship and hear, well, it's their problem, it's up to them. God keeps us to account. If we have something against someone, we need to go and sort it out. And if we're aware that somebody else has something against us, we need to go and sort it out. It's clear in Scripture. We never get let off. It's our responsibility on both counts. So we need to sort it out and we need to forgive and we need to reconcile that actually we can then bring our sacrifice to God. And we can bring it to him. Now, maybe actually you've got something against God. Maybe you are holding an offence against God himself. You need help. We're not to do that. We need to be reconciled. We need to forgive. And some of us may need to forgive ourselves. Because that's another area that, you know, people say, I can't forgive myself for that. I've done that and I can't forgive myself. And that's a terrible place to live because God, and that may be even some of the chains around people that we've sung about this morning that God spoke about already. There may be chains around you of unforgiveness. Either can't forgive yourself or can't forgive another. Or you're holding an offence. And God wants to break that this morning. God wants to break into that. Actually, we can then learn to be patient with one another. You know, it's, it's really important that we bear with one another, the Bible says. You know, and bearing with one another can be tough. 
because somebody does something the way we don't like it done. You know, you're on a serving team, you're doing something, and you've kind of got your bit, and somebody else does it different, and not the way you would do it. It's hard as a leader to watch some that sometimes. You know, somebody does it the way you wouldn't want it done, or you would do it, but actually we've got to be patient. The easiest was to step in and do it your way. But actually it doesn't help the others. It doesn't help somebody grow. It doesn't give them opportunity. And we just have to be patient. We have to step back. There's lots of ways we can exercise patience with one another in the church. And I want to encourage us to clothe ourselves with patience. Okay. Matthew 18 says this also. Oh no, hang on a minute. I'm going to the wrong place. Bear with me. Yeah, Matthew 5, Matthew 18 says, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offence. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again. So that everything may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. There's a sense in which actually we, sometimes we need others to help us reconcile. We need someone to see both sides of the argument. We need someone to understand and mediate. And there's been times and even in past times, not currently because we've got a great eldership team, but in past times in my eldership, there's been times when you've kind of, somebody's just got to reconcile because we're not quite on the same page and it's a bit tough and it's a bit difficult and trying to be patient in that is difficult and trying to work it out. Actually, we can. I want to say we have a great lead- eldership team and we get on really well, don't we? It's great. <laughs> At least you use Phil and not Philip. I'm glad about that. So let's be those who are quick to sort out our differences, work out things, and let's be patient with one another. And let's sort out our unforgiveness. And I come to the last one. And this is where God's been majoring all morning. And you know what it is, because you've already read it. And it's love. Actually, this covers everything. This covers everything, the love. We choose love. So I've got to try and get this on now. And Sarah's videoing this, I can see. This will be on Instagram this afternoon. Red hot. Right, okay, love. We are called to a life of love. We are called, first and foremost, to love God. We're called to love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. That is where God calls us to, actually, is to, to love Him with all our heart, mind, soul, body. We're to love God and Him alone to start with. That's where we start. Love Him. Not love other things, not love things we can get for free. Or, I like three, free things. But anything, you know, we, we're in a consumer society where people love stuff. They just love stuff. Actually, we're to love God. Love Him first above all else and out of loving him we will love one another and i would suggest this if we don't love one another enough it's because we don't love him enough and i'll tell you why jesus loves the church the church is not the building we know it's the people jesus loves the church why because he died for it he died for the church he loves the church with all its problems, with all its hang-ups, with all its quirkiness, 
with all its weirdness, with all its different streams of church life and styles of doing church, Jesus loves the church because he died for her. It's his bride. And you can't say, I love God and not love the church. Because when you truly love God, you love what he loves. When you truly love him, you'll love the very things that he loves. And that's the church. He loves the church. He loves you. He loves you so passionately. And so if we're clothing ourselves with love, we're going to love what he loves. Because love comes from God, it says in John. Only comes from him. God is love. Full stop. It's his very nature, his very character. It's not a feeling God has towards us. It's the nature of who he is. He loves us. An everlasting love. An infinite love. It'll never stop, never cease. He loves us. So when we receive that love in our own hearts, we will love what he loves. And the other thing he loves is not just the church, he loves people, lost people, people who don't yet know him, people who haven't yet experienced his love. He loves them. And it says this, that uh, how will people know that we're his disciples other than that we love one another? They see evidence amongst us that when we love one another, actually, they'll say, oh, there's, there's something about this. Something about these people when they love one another. And God wants us to live a life of love, just as Jesus lived a life of love and gave himself freely. Not just on a cross, he gave himself freely as he walked the earth. For those three years of ministry, he just gave of himself freely because he loved people. He gave himself away all the time. He was accessible to people. Whatever their need, whatever their problem. You remember the disciples kind of pushing the children away. You know, go away kind of thing. Don't bother Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, let them come to me. Why? Because he wanted to be accessible in his love. He was accessible to all, young and old. Because he loved them. And he wanted to show that love. And this morning we've sung a lot about love. And I know God actually wants to impact us with love afresh this morning. Before we finish. My time's gone, and I can't say a lot more now because time's gone, but I'd like to get these shirts off because I'm really hot. <laughs> but I just wanted to demonstrate this is what it is to clothe ourselves. And actually, the thing about being hot in lots of clothes is actually we need to be hot with Jesus. We need to be hot with who he is, the fullness of God in us, working in us, the very nature of Christ. Because that's what we're clothing ourselves with. When we put it on, we're clothing ourselves with the nature of who Jesus is. Actually, that we can show that to one another and to the world. We display that, just as I've displayed that this morning to you by wearing all this stuff, is I'm showing, actually, this is how Jesus is. He wants to show through you and me himself, his very character, his nature to us and to others, that we might truly show Jesus to this world that so desperately need it. So if you want to love more, you need more of him. You need more of his love. It's the only way you can do it. You can't do it any other way. You, can, you can't love the unlovely unless you've got the love of Jesus. And of course, we've all got our own understanding of what the unlovely looks like. To some, it's a different group of people to others. To say, I can go to India, poorest 
from poorest parts of India, to tribal villages there. And I tell you, the love I receive from these Indians who have got nothing. Open sewers in the street, they live in mud huts. They have nothing except mobile phones for some reason. They all seem to have a mobile phone. I don't even know how they charge them. They all seem to have mobile phones. But they've got nothing in comparison to what we have here. And yet they are so lavish and generous when we walk in. They want to serve us, want to give us stuff, want to hear us speak. They respond to, I mean, I kind of get so touched. I think, God, I, they show love in a way that I don't think I do. I, I get really touched and I kind of think, who am I coming here? I am more blessed by, their, by being with them. I think they are by me being with them, by me going. I'm sure they are. Sure, that's how it is. Because Jesus loves people, the poorest of the poor, the ones society just wants to reject, hide away. We don't want them to be seen. Just want to hide them away. Jesus loves them, and so should we. And God wants to fill our hearts, our lives again afresh this morning with love. He wants every, everything we do, everything we are. Let us be clothed with the love of Christ for one another and for others. You get in it? Understand it? Have you got the (laughs) T-shirt? I've got the T-shirt. Let's stand together. (coughs) Just expect God now, shall we? Bandu, just come back and just help us. If you want to be clothed with who Jesus is, you need to ask. It doesn't come any other way. You just need to ask. Lord, I want to be clothed with who you are. I want to be clothed with the characteristics of Jesus. And over all that, I want to be clothed with the love from heaven. Is that what you want? Is that how you want to live? Is that what your experience want, your exp- you want your experience to be? Actually, one of love. Living a life of love. Loving God, loving each other, loving the lost. You know, lots of churches have that, that strap line. I guess the measure of how true that is for them is what they do and how they work that out. Might be a value, and we've never written that in that way, but we, we want to do that. We want to be that people. We want to be that people here in the Peak District. We're going to reach a whole region of the Peak District with the love of Jesus. Nothing else will do it. We can have as, as great an evangelistic team as you like, but unless we love. Paul said, if I do not have love, I'm what? A clanging symbol. Just a noise. It's just a noise. We can do all our Christian activity and it just be a noise if we don't love. If love is not at the core, the heart of why we're doing it and what we're doing is the love of Jesus. It's just noise. come Holy Spirit let's reach out to God now if you want to receive more you want to know this love if you've any of those things that I've particularly those things I've highlighted this morning it's just touch you and you just need to come back to God repent turn back to God you need to go and sort something out with somebody forgive them ask for forgiveness I tell you you need to do it if God's touched something in you if you know you've been impatient with somebody you need to go and talk to them and apologize for that You've been harsh with somebody. You've spoken harshly. You've spoken ill of someone. 
This is where it, the rubber hits the road in our Christian life. This is what it is to work out our Christian walk with God. It's practical. It's real. You need to just do it this morning. So come and help us, Holy Spirit. Come and help us. You just pray your prayer to God. Ask Him to come in. We're just going to sing and then we'll draw it to a close.